Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. The Vandy Sports Podcast is presented by Jody Jones, DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after general and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He has earned the title of number one in Nashville for cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services with Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive a high level of care. The news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. A number of former Commodores have made NFL 53-man rosters. Oren Burks of the Packers, Adam Butler and Jawan Williams made the Patriots. Zach Cunningham is with the Texans. Other players are Casey Hayward with the Chargers, Trey Herndon with the Jaguars, Spencer Pulley of the Giants, Trent Shurfield of the Cardinals, Justin School with the 49ers, Keyshawn Vaughn with the Bucks, and Stephen Weatherly of the Patriots. And by the way, those are just 53-man rosters. I believe Jared Pinckney is on the practice squad with the Falcons. And of course, Kalijah Lipscomb, the same with the Chiefs. Seabass appears on the guest line presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee, where he's been for about 20 years. He has also been one of the guests on our podcast from, I think, the very beginning in 2015. My friend, I don't think you and I have done one of these together in about five weeks. It is great to have you back, and I hope you are doing well. Doing well. Glad to be back. And let me also add 93.1 to that rotation and 105.3 to that rotation, too. So, there you go. Never ends, does it? No, no. But you know what the good news is? As long as it doesn't end, the paychecks don't end. And that's my favorite part. Because I'm going to tell you, like my buddy told me in high school one time, I'm going to need my money, man. <laughs> so let's chit-chat for a second here. So what are we looking at, 17 days away from kickoff? I think that's about right. Sound about right to you? I'm, uh, NFL kicks off I'm, I'm, tomorrow night. We do this on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm awfully excited about that. And, of course, it's great to see my man ZC uh, paid in full. You know, he's certainly deserving. He's still one of my top five favorite Vanderbilt athletes of all time. Yeah. Who would be your others in the top five? In, in no particular order, okay? Uh, because I have to because – this guy ignited more passion from me 
in regards to the game, that has to be Will Purdue. Will, Will Purdue has he he has to be in there. Uh, because like I told you, I literally launched a color television set out of the second story of my house when they took him out one night. That was my guy back in the day. So Will's got to be in there. Zach's got to be in there. Though his pro career has not been what I had hoped it would be or even expected it to be, I have to throw Jordan in there because Jordan just, when you needed a catch. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a game that embodied him more than a game in which he did not catch the pass. And that was the old Miss game. Remember that? Was puking out there on the field. I mean, he's just given literally everything he's had. Had such a monster game. And he missed a critical catch, you know. And had he caught that, we may win that game. I didn't even care, man. I mean, just, I mean, because I knew that he had everything that he had was out there. You know, I guess one of them has got to be Jamie Winburn, man. He was just such a ferocious football player, Chris. I just loved watching that dude play because he was absolutely ferocious. So I'll go with him. And then if you make me pick one more, there's a couple of different ways I could go. But I guess I'm going to go with Carson Fulmer. He just had whatever it is. You know, I mean, I can't if if I'm going to make a list that says he is the guy that I hand the ball to over every other great Vanderbilt pitcher we've ever seen, then he has to have room in my top five. I've never thought about this. I'm going to give you one off the top of my head. I'm going to give you the top five I liked before I did this and the top five I liked after I started this, which was 03. Is that cool? I don't hey, care man. if it's cool. It's yeah. my podcast, so I'm going to do it, right? <laughs> I don't own this podcast. You do. Right. So. Billy McCaffrey, number one. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt, number one. No doubt. All right. Whit Taylor, no doubt. I think he would be two. I didn't follow baseball, so I can rule that out. I think Will Purdue would be in there. Uh, in the top five, maybe Eric Jones and Boo Mitchell. You know who I'm missing? Carl Parker. I always liked Carl Parker. He was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I hate your face because I really wanted to put Eric Jones in there and really just the, just the duo. Cause that's my favorite duo of all time is uh, that fa- my favorite connection of all time is Jones to Mitchell. I yeah. Mean, I don't even know who else you'd put in there. Probably. I, I would probably put Parker ahead of Jones. In fact, I remember following Carl onto the Bengals a little bit. He didn't really get much of a chance, but so that's the list. Honorable mention: I think Chris Gaines would be in there certainly. Barry Goheen certainly in there. Barry Booker another one. But yeah, I think those are. Gosh, there's so many I could mention. Post post running the site, without a doubt, Carson Fulmer one. I think Austin Martin would be two. Three, probably Keyshawn Vaughn. He would be up there. Okay. Cutler would have to be in there, I think. Basketball, probably Foster or Byers. Man, I, that's tough because I, I'm leaving David Price out. I think, I think my top five would be probably Fulmer, Price, Martin, Cutler. Oh, man, this is tough. Jordan Matthews would have to be on the short list. 
But I think I think former former and Martin are my one and two. Cutler, I think, was my favorite football player. Basketball's tough. I'll give you a a dark horse honorable mention. I always like Jeff Roberson and Riley the Chance, both those guys. Um I think I'm gonna go former Martin Price, Cutler. Oh man. Maybe probably Jordan Matthews would be my be in the five too, because I just really love the way that Jordan went at it in practice. But that's a tough list. Cutler would never make my list. He never would. And I like Jay. I, I I do. But and it's been a while and I'm getting old. But the way that I remember it with Jay, and maybe I'm completely misremembering it, but my mind tells me that this is the way that it was, that as awesome as Jay was, and Jay was awesome, my mind tells me that a lot of the times when he came out, you knew what was going to happen within in, in the first quarter. If he didn't have it, then he didn't have it that day. If he had it, it was on, and he was going to be rocking the rest of the game. But if he didn't come out on fire, then he probably wasn't going to catch fire later on. That may not be correct, but that's what my memory tells me when I think about Jay. Yeah, but Jay also Uh, got beaten like a rag doll and toughed it out. And I had a lot of respect for that and had almost no supporting cast. Almost none, huh? Compared well, to everybody none. else, yes. No, I mean, I, I mean, I would say that Earl Bennett would probably beg to differ. He had Earl Bennett for one year. He had never Earl had Bennett, a running though. game. Never had a running game. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! He had Jeff Jennings. <laughs> How quickly I forget. No, no, this is not about it. But I wasn't asking who's a good player and who's not. You know, I mean, I mean, good grief! He's That's fair. One of the greatest ever laced them up, but. You know, my my list wasn't who are the five best players I've I've ever seen. I mean, that's a fun list to do. It's a hard one to do. Now let's condense it down. Just football, that's all you get. The best all-round player you've seen in a Commodore uniform. The best? Best, very best. Cutler. Really? Well, remember we did this with the Vandy Sports 100. I did it all summer. He was the top football player on my list. Okay. All right. See, to me, it's um, it's Zach. I mean, Zach just – Zach wasn't good at everything. He was great at everything. I mean, linebackers aren't supposed to win you football games by themselves. I think the you know? list for football players, since I've covered it – I think, to me, there's some separation between the top three and everybody else. The top three to me would be Cutler, and this is the way I had it. I had Cutler, I think I had Matthews and then Cunningham. I don't remember where I settled because I debated those two at second and third over and over and over. I think I settled I think I settled Matthews just before Cunningham, but I could be wrong. And then to me, after that, it's, it's probably Earl Bennett and... Well, you had DJ Moore and Casey Hayward also. Those were that was maybe my top six. I feel like those guys sort of stand out above the rest. And at times, though, I would say that what's interesting about this guy's career is he flashed early, 
was pretty consistent most of the time and flashed a little late. I did not know he was going to be this good of a professional, but he has certainly turned out to be that, and that's Adam Butler. Yes. I did not see this coming. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't think that he was a good player at Vanderbilt, because I do. But I didn't see him being a difference maker on a Super Bowl team. Not a Pro Bowl player, but he's a very nice player, uh, you know, at a key position on top franchise in the NFL. Yeah, let's do that quickly. Biggest surprises, guys whose success surprised you post-Fanderbilt. I think Butler would be probably number one on my list for football. For baseball, I think it's Mike Yastrzemski. I think he's making that case literally every day as we speak. Basketball, I don't know who it would be because there just haven't been that many in the NBA. Jeff Turner? Maybe I don't know. (laughs) I take that back. You know, I... Luke, you know, when he's healthy, Luke has put up some not really nice performances. And yeah, that's I mean, true. I like Luke. I, very good player in college. I, I, I thought he would be, especially, you know, with the weight, you know, being an issue. I thought, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, this may be a little more of a step up than he's probably prepared to make. But he proved, you know, you know durability is kind of an issue. But, I mean, he's kind of proven me wrong on that. You know, he's had some games where he was, you know, red hot. I just couldn't add anything to it. I think you said it well. I think Luke for basketball would be the guy. Yeah, I think it would have to be. Now, baseball, I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I know who's made it. Um, um, I'll tell you a guy who I thought was going to do some, do more. You know, and not that he hadn't done anything. I, I thought Jeremy Sowers was going to be like a a big time pitcher. Yeah. You know, he wasn't a flamethrower, which sort of limits your upside to me. Carson Fulmer is still the guy that I could have sworn would have been a better pro than he's been in any sport I've covered. And people took issue with me putting Fulmer number one in the Vandy sports 100. As I tried to explain, that's based on what you did at Vandy. I did use the pros to maybe clear up if there were players that because of the situation at Vanderbilt, maybe were underrated, like, again, because Cutler and Butler for surrounding cast, they didn't shine the way they could have. Uh, with Fulmer, it was clear. I mean, he was National Pitcher of the Year. He pitched big and big games. He was a star closer. He was a star starter. Like, he did everything ever asked of him. I still rest my case that he was the best that I've covered on the field in his time there. And I just thought that between the ears, he had that it factor as much as anybody's ever had, and I just – I'm stunned that it's not worked out better for him. He's on his, what, third or fourth organization this year. I think it's his third. I guess that's probably right, you know, especially with the expectations. Maybe sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, where you start off and how you start off and, you know, and and things kind of, you know, materialize from there. But, yeah, that's probably probably a far better example of maybe the number one because I just thought that, yeah, I thought he was going to be a front-line pitcher, and that hasn't happened. Well, the reason I wanted to rush to the mailbag is because I know you've only got maybe another 25, 30 minutes, and we've got a bunch of questions in here. So let's go on to that if that's cool with you. And these are good well, ones, well, too. I was say, before you do that, just because I know that how these mailbags work and we will end up in Boise, Idaho somewhere, um, I just want to say – you know, I saw you know what Sean posted last night 
And, you know, there's a million different reasons why people do what they do in recruiting and when teams get hot and winning certainly helps. But man, I got to tell you, some of the cats that, that coach Mason and coach roof and Fitch and all these guys are, are, are set to, especially on the defensive side of the ball that are more than likely to be pulling for the, the trigger for the Commodores in the next couple of weeks. I mean, these are some really, really good looking defensive prospects, really good looking. I mean, I'm the kind that, you know, we need more than one or two of, but I mean, there's like three or four right now that are on the verge of pulling the trigger for, for the Commodores. And I'm just telling you, if you can get them now, you got to do something with them. But given the way things have turned out with the program over the last couple of seasons, the type of player that they're looking to, to, to add, you know, the Devin Lees of the world, uh, the, the Michael Muncy's of the world, this young man, the safety out of uh, uh, Louisiana, Javon Grigsby, go push play on that video. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure what they're selling right now, what the selling point is. And, you know, of course, well, we know we've had the, the backlash issues with the athletic department and all this other stuff, but whatever the message is right now, it seems to be being received by some players that I really wouldn't expect them to be in on right now. It's a weird dynamic for the football recruiting right now because, yes, I agree with you, and you look at the way they close with Mike Wright and Donovan Kaufman and some kids late in last year's class, uh, and then add the kids that you're talking about. Of course, you got to get a lot of them, um, and SEC schools do that. So you know, for everyone they're bringing in, everybody else is bringing in some good ones too. But the interesting thing, I guess it's not that interesting because you know the story – they're not in on anybody in state of any significance for the next two classes that I can tell, which makes sense because I don't know how you can sell the program around here anymore. It's very demoralizing because I really want to start to cultivate the local product. I really do. But here's what I would say, not for the sake of just for the sake of, of doing it, because look, here's what I know to be true. It's wonderful. If you can get kids from Smyrna and White's Creek and all this other stuff, but the one thing that will put stu- uh, will put butts in the seats is wins. We've seen it. We know it's true. You know, now, let me say this. There were games when Franklin wasn't able to fill it up. But when I say wasn't able to fill it up, it was still 30,000 plus of people who were pretty rowdy, you know, and excited to be watching that program. We're not there now. So I want to be able to cultivate the local side of things, but I will say this to you. If we can go to the Pelican State and get two top 20 players in it, and if we can go to Georgia and get some of the better players there, if we can go down to St. Thomas Aquinas and get some of their better players, as much as I want to cultivate the local talent, I'm not turning them down because of what state they have to live in because these are good, good football players who I, you know, and you mentioned Donovan Kaufman and people like that to go with some of these transfers. All I'm saying is that on the defensive side of the ball and really not just even that, I don't know about it. I don't know how much you're paying attention to this class. I've seen some people say they hate it and all these other things, but here's what I tell you. You add these guys to go with some of these. I mean, frankly, look at the offensive line class. They seem to be a, a, a different type of offensive line class. And maybe that has something to do with Russ Mundo. 
I mean, they look to be tougher, a little bit more road grading. Uh, and some of these defensive prospects as well, it looks to me like the message is we want to get tougher. We want to be able to hit people in the mouth. We feel we've been weak. We feel like we've been pushed at the point of attack, and we're trying to do something about that with some of the personnel we're bringing in. That's the message I'm seeing out of this class. You may see something different, but that's what I see. Better six years late than never, right? Hey, you know what? I mean, if that's the spin you want to take on it, you, you, it's certainly your right to do so. At least it's happening. Yes, and I hear you, but the alternative is to keep on doing the same thing, you know, and getting the same results. So, I mean, yes, we can look at it like that if you want to, but I mean, I choose to look at the fact that I like what's coming into the program right now. Well, I do put a lot of that back on the school. The strength and nutrition have been seriously lack and the nutrition one is just inexcusable because that that's an easy fix it doesn't cost you know a nine-figure investment um I, I don't know what it costs to get proper strength and nutrition for the kids in the cafeteria but that's one that should be easily solved especially when your ad was the football administrator for several years before she became ad i don't make excuses for mason because i think He's left people with enough things to criticize that are legitimate. But that is one thing I can defend him on. I do wonder how some of his linemen would have worked out better if the school had just done the basic things it could have easily done that it didn't do for the sake of cheapness or laziness or whatever reasons those would be. Well, you know, maybe it's a matter of him now and some of this new coaching staff saying, look, we're not going to get it from them, so we got to do this ourselves. The only way we know how to do it, we got to bring in a, a tougher, more rugged group, a bunch of dudes who, you know, I don't know, are maybe more apt to take to the weight program or whatever the case may be. Uh, maybe it's a little more of a blue-collar approach, or but whatever it is, I can see a difference. I'm going to go ahead and go to the mailbag because I know we will not get through this by the time you need to go, and I want to go ahead and get started because there's several really good questions in here. Our mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt Fan, Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. MBA door starts with this one. What do you consider a successful football season? Uh, having one at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I, a successful season, man, given the fact that this is strictly SEC, given the fact that we're having a first-time quarterback, two new, uh, two new coordinators, uh, an offensive line with way more questions than answers, not to mention, I don't, I don't think defections is the right word, but I mean, the fact is we don't have them uh, with of those who have opted out. If this team with that schedule can win three games, I will absolutely call. And I don't care who it is. If it's, you know, if it's, I don't care if it's South Carolina, Missouri, you know, Ole Miss, whoever it is. I think three games, considering all these things, would have to be considered a successful season. As horrible as it hurts to say that, I mean, I think that's reality. Next one also from NBA Door. Do you think Stackhouse is the coach come basketball season, that being Vanderbilt's coach? I 
do. I, I do, Chris. I mean, and I could be completely wrong about that. A job that he wants could be open, and I'm done. I mean, I'm not stupid. I'm look. He's an NBA guy. I get that. If it's not this year, it's going to happen. If he can, if he, if he's able to have success, and you know, if, if they're still calling, it's because there's a reason for that. You know, if he falls flat on his face, I mean, they could still call and say maybe he just in the wrong place. But I mean, look, he's starting to move some things around this team played like a team played together. We're adding significant talent to this program this year. I, you know, yeah. And you know, his tweet the other day, you know, basically kind of sounded like it, you know, that he was happy where he was at for the time being. And I mean, I don't have a reason to believe that he's not, I know he was looking at some of these NBA jobs, but he hasn't been offered any. So on September the 9th, I'm going to say, yeah, I think he'll be the coach. NBA door says, can you see a time in the next five years that Vanderbilt's playing in bowl games and the NCAA tournament with the existing leadership in place? By leadership, do we mean athletic department and not head coaches? To me, that means head coaches because that's the biggest leader okay. in your program. You know, look, I think Vanderbilt's men's basketball team is going to continue to get better. I mean, they're, they're not there, and the conference is extremely tough. I'm well aware of that, but you know, it's been a numbers game so far. I think that he has the attention of the type of players that can make a difference because I think they really do buy into this positionless basketball thing now. You know, I mean, it's you know, I know we we're always jacking about how many guards we're going after and all this other stuff, but the game is a perimeter oriented now. It just is. You know, I don't have to have seven footers all over the place. I don't have to have – I'd like to have big power forwards that are sixth in that can dominate, but you can win without them now. I mean, I'd rather not try it, but you can win without them if your perimeter game is strong, and he knows all about that. And I mean, he's not there this year probably. I don't think there's a tournament team coming up. I don't think. But, you know, I, I like the trajectory that they're on, and I love the way that he had those cats who were so outgunned at the end of that season – and, and winning games against teams who needed to win, and they still couldn't beat Vanderbilt. He's a big part of that. I could see them in a year or two playing in the NCAA tournament. Bowl games-wise, you know, I love the, the influx of some of the young talent that's that's headed into this program, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, as you well know, I'm a big fan of our two quarterback signees. Um, I, I, I think we need – an upgrade on the offensive line and the skill position, you know, and if we can get those, I, I, I think it's a possibility. Look, Derek Mason has been to bowl games. He's been in a in bowl games two of the last four years. He's upgraded at both coordinators. Uh, I think that Ken Seals, and we'll see what happens. He has to do it first, but I think that Ken Seals is every bit the prospect and honestly, probably a little bit more polished and more mobile than, than Kyle Shermer was when he was a true freshman coming into the program and look how he turned out. Um, I understand where we are. It's the sec. Um, but I kind of like the recruiting, the way things that are going as far as that goes. And I like some of the talent that's coming to this program and, you know, I don't know what COVID changes in regards to people uh, and their approach and what they're looking for right now out of out of out of out of out of their college experience. But I mean, look, Derek Mason can get to bowl games. He hasn't had a winning season yet, but he can get you to bowl games. So if you're asking me, can they get to bowl games and NCAA, and the NCAA tournament games in the last couple of years? I'm, yeah, and the answer is absolutely yes.
maybe not the way you want it, you know, maybe not sweet 16 and, and nine and three in the regular season type of bowl games and stuff like that. But yeah, both of those things are certainly accomplishable. What do you think? I think we've seen their ceiling <laughs> with football. I think they're in NIT ceiling in basketball, the way he runs the program. Well, you could be right. <laughs> you, you, you know, but wh- how many times have you seen him with a with a, a full complement of talent? That's, you know, that his guys doing it the way that he. We haven't seen that yet. I mean, let's not forget this coach had two walk-ons at the same time in SEC play last year because he had nothing else to go to. Nobody else had to deal with that. So you haven't seen what it looks like to have a full complement of his guys out there playing his approach uh, to the game, you know. So, I mean, I, I, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying at least consider that. No, I don't doubt that he's a smart coach and he got a lot out of his kids last year. I'd still think that there are some things fundamentally broken with that program. And I think that he will – I think that he'll be in the NBA or somewhere else before he ever takes them to an NCAA tournament. And it could easily be the case. But I'm operating answering the question under the assumption that he's still there. Uh, Speaking of which, next one is Stackhouse actually a great recruiter based on his first full cycle and the success he is having. Is he a great recruiter? I mean... You know, he, he's, he's been good. Uh, you know, I, I like some, I like some of the talent that he's been able to bring in here, especially given the fact that we've won three conference games in two years. You know, I, I think that he has had the ear of some pretty darn good football, basketball players uh, that have a chance to make a difference. Three and two million in conference. The next one, who is or are the greatest Major League Baseball Vandy boys based on Major League stats only? We sort of touched on that a minute ago. Now, I don't go way back in the Roy Muburn era days, so if there's people there, you just have to forgive me on that. Uh, based on stats alone, if I'm buying stock in a Vanderbilt baseball player that's in the game right now, I have my answer, and I'm going to save it. Who would yours be? Of all the guys that are in the game now, having the best career? Yeah. You're buying stock in a player, right? If they were stocks. Oh, man. Well, man, that's tough. My gut feeling is Austin Martin. But J.J. Bleday's got a chance to be, I think, an all-star, too. You know, if you want to go down to kids that are there now, then you've obviously got lighter and rocker. That one's not easy. You haven't named mine yet, if it helps. Oh, well, oh, Walker Bueller. Yeah. Well, well, yes, he's the number one. Uh, but my, yeah, I mean, he's easily the number one. But my, my other is my number two is a guy who I, I, I think because of who he plays for, he gets lost in the shuffle. But I love Brian Reynolds in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I like Brian. I, I, think, I don't think he is on the level of the other guys. But, yeah, I think Brian could have a very good career. 
I think Brian Reynolds is going to be even better than that. You have to remember something. There's very little in their lineup, you know, Bell and stuff like that. But he's a guy you kind of have to focus on. Of course, I do like Jacob Stallings, too. I know he's not a Vanderbilt guy, but uh, I do like Jacob Stallings, too. But I think Brian, I think Brian Reynolds is one of the guys they're going to try to build that franchise around. Man, that's a really tough question, the more I think about it, because – Man, I love Walker Bueller. I think that kid's going to win a Cy Young. You know how big I am on Austin Martin just because of just the sheer number of things he can do. Bladé, you saw what he turned into that last year. I've always thought he was an outstanding hitter. I think, man, if we're guessing all-time Wins a bluff replacement when the dust has settled 20 years from now. I'm going to go with Bueller, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's the ace of the best team in baseball. I, I don't know how the answer could be anybody else. All time, guys who were already established, uh, the answer for that was easy. David Price is the best they've ever had David in the Price. program. I, I looked yeah. up baseball reference. Yeah. He's a 39.4 on war. And the number two one, I'll see if you can get it. He was pre-Tim Corbin. In fact, I, I can't verify for sure he's number two, but I'm almost positive that he is. I won't get it. I, I can just tell you I won't get it. I don't Scott know. Sanderson. I, no I would have never gotten that. You could have given me two years, I never would have got it. Sanderson won over 150 games. No, I know who he is. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I mean uh, until Tim Corbin came along, honestly, Chris, I, I, I gave very little – any type of attention towards Vanderbilt baseball. Right. Well, there weren't that many that made the bigs. Joey Cora was an all-star for a year. Uh, you had some Cora. guys like Mike Willis made the bigs for a bit. I know uh, Scotty Madison made it just for, a, I think, a taste. There just weren't that many of them. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I like that, but I'm going to – uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold. Well, look, Walker Bueller is the answer, but I'm gonna hold with my Brian Reynolds pick. I, I think Brian Reynolds, uh, sky's the limit for that dude. And I did, I wasn't really sure if that was gonna be the case, but he's uh, you know he and of course you mentioned your Strimsky in, in in San Francisco. I think both of those guys have monster futures. Yeah, your a little older. I think his ceiling is gonna be capped because of that. But man, I'm proud of that guy for what he's done. I always loved watching him at Vandy. I always felt he was kind of a gritty kid that you always felt good about things when he was in there. And he, the numbers were never big, but I just always liked him as a ball player. And I'm thrilled for him that it worked out the way that it did. Yeah, and the one who looked like he was headed in that direction and had some moments, but then just was Pedro. You know, yeah, that one surprised Pedro me too. Been, Pedro could have been a star. He had star ability yeah you know pedro had a chance to be way more than that you could see the reasons that it wouldn't work for him uh, the swing and miss was a big part of it and i think just the i always wondered if you know he always played a little heavy i always thought well if, if he slimmed down a little bit would it have worked out better for him i don't know maybe that's unfair because look at tony Gwynn. uh did never seem to hurt him but anyway yeah, but you can make an argument that Tony Gray, Tony Gwynn's the greatest hitter of all time. So, I mean, yeah, I think that. I think he's an outlier. Yeah. But my point is, some guys are good enough to make it work anyway. 
Babe Ruth being another one, That's but fair. that was also a different era. How will moving players from the defensive line to the offensive line impact the defensive line's performance due to the season's inevitable injuries plus a 10-game SEC schedule? Well, first of all, who's moving? I don't know. I've told they've moved one or two kids over. I don't know who they are yet. I read a post the other day, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember all the way that it was done. But the you know the assumption being, you know, I would have liked to have heard you know bigger returns from Green and you know guys like that. Considering the fact that even though we've had the same couple of guys in the interior and they've been they've been consistent and they've been solid, they they have just been all right. And I think what they were kind of hoping is some of the new guys come in and just dominate and take over and push that to the side. But I mean, you can't always look at it like that. Um, I think it depends who goes over there. Uh, guys that kind of make a little bit more sense would be the, the tens of the world, you know, the Birch Myers of, of the world, but guy, I mean, Chris, it seems like both those guys have been starting in that defensive line for seven years. You know, I mean, they have a lot of in-game experience. Maybe their upside isn't as high as the you know, the Davises and the Greens of the world, but they have lots of in-game experience. Yeah, it can affect it. I don't know, but I think a lot of it has to do with who it is. The one that I thought might make the most sense to move over was Nate Clifton because that's where a lot of people thought he was a prospect in high school. But I know as of Saturday, he was still working with the defense. So it's not him. What, what? How much does how much does Nate Clifford weigh? I'm guessing he's two sixty. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for some, you 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 can't play on the offensive line in the SEC at two sixty. I mean, you got to be, you have to be. Well, let me let me put it to you like this, uh, because I, I I've told you before, the best offensive lineman we had at Austin P. My time was our center, and he weighed two fifty, but he was one of the greatest technicians I've ever seen on an offensive line anywhere ever, you know, but that's, that's kind of the exception that you're not playing in the SEC at 265. Sorry. I mean, it's, and that's not a knock at Clifton. And that's if that's what he weighs. I don't know what his current weight is, but if it starts with a two, six, it's too small. It's 267. I just checked the website. Can't play. Cannot play in this conference on the offensive line at 267. No, you're right. I'm just thinking of guys who would have the ability, because I don't think you move Tid or Birchmeyer at this point. Um, I don't think you move Langham or Green or Wrightmeyer if you think they're that good of players. I can't. You're not going to move Davis. No. In fact, Derek talked about Davis as a defender the other day, so it's not him. Davis doesn't have the body type for an O-line. Well, that's my question. Who's left? I don't know. I don't think it's anybody high profile. But you moving Derek Green over there? I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's um. I know it's not the Rashawn Wilkins kid either, the JUCO kid, because I know he's had a good scrimmage or two on the, the defensive Juco. side. I, I don't think it's Christian James because I, I think Derek talked about him the other day on the defensive line. So I don't know. At this point, who's left? Yeah. Oh, and I, I want to make sure I understand. I am not talking bad about Nate Clifton at all. You put 30 more pounds on there, put 25 more pounds on there, then we'll talk. But 267, 
I mean, well, let me put it to you like this. You name me the last successful SEC lineman that weighed under 270. It would have to have been some, somebody playing center in the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, which is awesome, but, you know, unless you've got a, a DeLorean with 1.21 gigawatts or whatever it is, uh, in 2020, that, that ain't flying. NBA Door says, predict seeding for the National League playoffs. P.S. The Braves are better than the Padres. I would like to agree with them on that, but after Max Fried went down, I'm not so sure. Well, before Max Fried went down, that wasn't true, but that's okay. Yeah, wait a minute. Uh, Who had the better record? <laughs> we do. Do you now? Padres have the second best record in the National League. Okay. Last yes. time I checked, I thought the Braves were one or two games better, but they've lost a couple to the Marlins since. So, yeah, the Padres have won fifteen of twenty, I believe it is. The Braves have also not played a murderer's row schedule. There's been a lot of Blue Jays, Red Sox. You know those kind of teams in there too. It's not been. They did play the Yankees a couple well, of games. Hey, look, look. For whatever that's worth, uh, the Yankees are horrible right now. They're lucky to make the playoffs at this point. Compare and trying to decipher, you know, who's good and who's bad in regards to East, West, and Central is a fool's errand because that's all you're playing. You know, I mean, it's it's just kind of hard to do. Um, but here's what I would say: San Diego was five and one against the Astros and A's including sweeping, sweeping Houston, taking two or three over the weekend in Oakland. They're three and four against the Dodgers and honestly should be four and three, but they're not. They're three and four uh, against the Dodgers. What do they not have, Chris? Uh, I mean, the the issues they had, they addressed at the trade deadline. Uh, NBA door, I love you. I know you love your Braves. You don't want none. And that's with Freed. Because we can go down the matchups and you're not going to win. You're not going to win. Well, if the Braves got healthy. We can go position by position. That would help. Well, get healthy. I mean, I could say, I could, I could say the same thing about San Diego. You know, get me Kirby Yates back. You know, get me, get me Eric Hosmer back. Okay, fair enough. But, I mean, think about it like this. I mean, look, you're going to have the NL MVP at shortstop. You're going to have the NL Rookie of the Year at second base. Manny Machado's hitting over 300 and playing a gold glove. What A.J. Preller did to the Brewers, you know, getting Trent Grisham and Zach Davies, who is having a monster year, by the way, for Luis Arias and Eric Lauer. I almost feel bad about it at this point. You know, and remember, Tommy Pham has been out for a month. They didn't even blink. I'm sorry, brother. The uh, The Braves are probably the third best team in the National League, but they are just that, and they are not better than the Padres. I am looking forward to playoff baseball, although I'm enjoying baseball the way it is now. My son and I watch it. every yeah. night, every night. Dude, I, I'm watching, I'm literally watching, 
I don't know when the last time my TV was off. I'm watching MLB now, the show. I don't know the last time it was not on the MLB network, uh, except when I turned it on because I have the on-demand package, so uh, the extra innings package. I come home and watch every night. I mean, it's it's so much fun. You know, people complain about this, complain about that. Let me tell you something. If you're a baseball fan and you have truly given this a day in court, from one person who watches every night to another, how distraught. I mean, I, I don't even notice that the fans aren't there, Chris. I don't care what's carved in the dirt. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, they're just playing baseball right now. That's it. And I'm getting real live major league baseball. And I, yes, I know the crowd is not there. It's like, I can't tell, but it doesn't make a difference to me these days. I mean, I, they're out there and they're throwing down, they're playing baseball and I'm having a blast. Knoxville door 94, any reasons for optimism this football season? Yeah, I'm just going to say it again. Having one, you know, I mean, having one at this point, and I know that's so surface and just kind of on the nose, but you know what? I mean, especially given what I do for a living and, and what you do, I, I didn't know that that was even going to happen. Even a month ago, I wasn't 100% sure. And, and so just the fact that we're having one is is is, is a reason for hope for me. Um, I, I, guess, I guess for me, and it's hard to say because I, I just think that the offense is going to struggle because of key positions. Um, you know, some of the there's some positive signs that you're hearing out of the defense uh, in camp so far, even though we don't get to have our own eyes on them and see what's what uh, there's some pretty good football players on that side of the ball that are returning uh, who have had good careers. And I, I, I expect them to have a big impact this year. You know, now the only, like I said, the only problem is, I mean, they're, they're going up against our offense. So I'm not sure what that means. I mean, are they going to get bullied around by, you know, by Texas A&M, there's a, you know, Kellen Mond and Texas A&M. It's, I mean, think about it. If you go from Vanderbilt's offense to Kellen Mond, that's a big switch. You know, that's a, that's, that doesn't really prepare you for Kellen Mond and, and, and the A&M offense. But, you know, I guess for me, because I don't have illusions of a winning season, though I'd love to be able to have that mindset, I guess just, you know, seeing things like, what does Ken Seals look like? Can I can I see something out of Ken Seals who play as a freshman that says, "Boy, you just wait. You know, wait till we can surround him with a, with, with some, you know some depth at offensive line and 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 you know maybe who knows maybe you know a guy like uh, get out of of Hoover, Bet Holly comes in and uh, it, it does something. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just looking for pieces right now that say. I like what what's going forward for the future because I mean the truth is the way things are set up expectations are not really going to be high uh, for this year and you know maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised but for me right now it's all about prospecting some of these younger players and 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 and, and seeing what kind of mark they can make early on guys like Jalen Mahoney does he continue to build on a great freshman year and is is he going to be a an all conference type of player does he take that next level getting Frank Coppett back now he's supposed to be back right Chris he's back now correct Derek Mason brought him up on Monday and talked about his leadership and all those things so I would presume that's the case you know and I think called him what the heart of that defense 
Yes. You know, now, I mean, I've not seen, I've not seen that type of play that he, I would call him the heart of that defense, but I don't coach the guy every day, but he certainly is, is a valuable member of this team and, and, and a big part. So the, look, there's, you know, uh, th- there's a chance that uh, that defense could be pretty respectable and there's things to build on, but it's as far as hope of like a winning a season. I, no, I don't have that. Why would I? To cop it for a minute, I'm glad you brought him up because I don't put a lot of stock into what Derek says for the most part. We've heard all the coach speak through the years. We know it's mostly meaningless, but I have heard other people back up the leader talk on Coppet, and they desperately needed leadership a year ago. That's one thing that I think might help is if they get him back and he's healthy and can play at a respectable level, I think that gives them something on the defense and really maybe on the whole team that they really did not have a year ago, and that is leadership. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, when I said I haven't seen it, I mean, as far as like a dominant football player, you know what I mean? And that, that's kind of what I mean. But you can't, you know, you can't underscore just how important a, 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 a leader on the field, in the locker room, all that good stuff in practice, uh, and what, what they can mean for somebody, you know, people that some, somebody that people will rally behind. So I'll ride with that. We'll see. The question is, will the play match it? Last question. This is from KT Doors. KT four doors. Are you as angry as I am that Philip Rivers is the new quarterback for the Colts? Why would I be angry? I mean, the only person I have to be mad at that is is, is Andrew Luck and or, or Ryan Grigson, really. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I mean, as far as Philip Rivers goes, guys, you know, look. It's just like when the Titans signed Jadavian Clowney. As a Colts fan, does that scare me? Not in the least. Not in the least. Um, I've seen Quentin Nelson handle him. I'm not worried about Jadavian Clowney. I'm far more worried about Jeffrey Simmons than I am Jadavian Clowney. Now, they'll both make each other better players, and I freely understand that. But look, here's the deal. I don't need Phillip Rivers to come out there and throw for 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. I've got Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, and Naheem Hines behind the best offensive line in football. Phillip Rivers doesn't have to win me games. You know, I, I need him to go out there, throw from about 250 a, a game, you know, 275 a game, two or three touchdowns, and, you know, cut your picks down from, uh, what what did he have, 20 last year, I think it was, to about 13 or 14 on the season. You know, I don't need him to throw for 350 yards a game. This is a team that can run the ball on any and everybody in this league uh, with lots of depth and uh, a starting lineup who has the same starting lineup for the third straight year in a row, all five positions. I'm not worried about it. If Ryan Kelly is the third best offensive lineman on my starting unit, we in the house. So, you know, no, I'm not mad that Phillip Rivers is my quarterback at all. Not even a little bit, you know, and I do, I know that his greatest days are gone. Sure. I do, but it's still an improvement over Jacoby Brissett at the end of the day, I think, you know, and you know, I do have, they drafted their quarterback of the future in Jacob Eason. I don't think so, but I don't know that. You know, his his issue is his maturity. It certainly isn't his arm strength. He had the strongest arm in the class. It's the other stuff. 
that if he can figure out a way to wrangle in, and that's a veteran laden football team. Uh, so, I, you know, no, I'm not mad that Philip Rivers is my quarterback, not even a little bit. My friend, I know that time is precious for you today. You've got more shows to do tonight. I want to respect that and get you on your way. But before we do, any parting oh, thoughts no, or things we didn't only, discuss? Yeah, not only do I have a show coming up in two hours from right now, but I also, you know, I want you to start calling me the commish from now on because – Coming up in about four hours and fifteen minutes, uh, I'm the. Co- this is my very first year of being the commissioner of a fantasy football league, uh, and we draft tonight. And uh, I'm gonna go. And, I'm gonna give you my fantasy football team, and even see what you think, Chris. All right. At first, it was Miss Reeves' tongue ring in honor of Dan's mom, uh, but I changed it. I wanted something had a little more juice to it, a little bit flow. So tell me what you think about my brand new fantasy football team in my first year as a commissioner, Daddy Milkbone. Daddy Milkbone. Daddy Milkbone. Yep, that's me, Daddy Milkbone. Just sounds like a, I don't know, sounds like a pimp. <laughs> just like <laughs> I don't know why that name came to me, Daddy Milkbone. What do you think about it? Well, how would you like to have to play Daddy Milkbone tomorrow night? Ah, sounds um, less than enticing, I guess. You know, here's what I would say to you. Now, it's yours, it's your company. You do what you want with it. But here's what I would say: If I were getting ready to listen to a podcast that had Daddy Milkbone in the name somewhere. That's what we call a tease in the business, my friend. I'd have to know what was behind that. But you do what you want. It's your podcast. Well, I was waiting uh, for you to go there. If. Well, I'm just saying if you could find a way to squeeze Daddy Milkbone in the title of your podcast, I, I, I wouldn't be upset. What's the origin of that name? Does that have to do with your dogs? or? Uh, it has nothing to do with anything. It sounded like kind of a pimped, pimped out name, and I just thought I'd go with it. I will miss fantasy football this year. Uh, the league that I was enfolded, and I just don't have time to scrape to get another draft oh, right now. Oh, the proverbial, so. I, I don't have time. Let me tell you something. As busy as you are, you couldn't possibly be busier than me, and I make time. Make time. If you want to play, if you want to play you'll find the time. I don't like to do it when I haven't had time to do any prep. I haven't time, had time to do it. And I also don't like playing in straight draft. I like auction leagues. Um, I just really don't like straight draft leagues, even if they're a snake draft. Um, so that's part of it, too. I wish you'd reconsider and play this year, but you got to do what you got to do. Well, it's my heavy blue ribbon time, too. There's about to be 60 and 70 hour work weeks and just. There's just so much going on around here. Uh, my wife's changing jobs and going to work from home next week. If I'm going to do something, I like to be in it and try to do it well, and I don't like to just throw something together at the last minute. And I haven't done any research or prep, and I could change my mind, but I just don't think that I will. By the way, did you see the score of the Brewers-Tigers game today? It was 12 nothing last I checked. That wasn't the final score. Well, I don't know what has happened to Matthew Boyd, but he has crapped the bed. They lost 19 to nothing today. <laughs> don't see many of those, do you? 
No, no, that's an odd number to, to, to put up, no doubt about it. But, yep, that's where we are, and I will let you know next week how uh, Daddy Milkbone does in the draft. My friend, I'll let you go. Tell people where they can find your show and where they can find your Twitter handle, please. All right, you can find me on Twitter at that cheap seats bash. Y'all guys know where that is. Come see me, hang out, let's do some stuff. Uh, I'm still on six to eight p.m. Uh, Monday through. Well, this is football season, uh, so uh, Monday through Thursday, and then on Fridays I, I call the Jackson Madison County High School football game of the week uh, at one hundred one point five. But you can also listen on ninety three one now. I'm on there from eight to eleven in the morning on the three sixty, and I'm sure I'll add a few more shows the next couple of days. Be good, my man. All right. (laughs) Okay. Hey, thanks for joining us today. And uh, we will do these. I think you're going to come on back with me full time uh, the first week after the opener. I'm kind of giving everybody a break. We'll do two of these a week, I think, until football. Then we'll open it up. And I think everybody will be on every week. So I think that's the plan for now. Uh, So if you don't hear my man for a couple more weeks, uh, that's what's going on. It, Chris, if you will, just uh, forward all that stuff to my agent. He can let me know, and we'll go from there. Uh, you bet. All right. Be good, my man. <laughs> yes, sir. Peace out. Anchor down, guys. He's Seabass. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We should have one more of these coming up on Friday, so be sure to check for a new episode then.